Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we are free in you. But I feel like some of us don't act like it. We don't run like it. We don't think like it. We don't plan like it. We don't decide like it. Lord, help us to see what is it in some of us that keeps us from living in that freedom. And I just ask, Lord, that people would walk out of here lighter, that people watching online would just let stuff drop away that they don't need to carry into 2022. And Lord, may we walk in freedom, in real life with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you set us free for freedom to be totally available, totally alive. And Lord, forgive us when we don't walk in that. And I ask that in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you grab a seat, everybody? And kids and youth, you are dismissed to take off. I think youth are going to go to Starbucks today. They're they're lucky. That sounds fun. Uh, And I want to say something about Kimberly and about this uh, basket or baskets. We'd love to do two going to Los Robles Hospital. Here are some thank you notes that she grabbed. You could write a quick thank you note in the lobby on your way out before you are out of here. Julie, would you magically make those appear in the uh, lobby in a minute? And, and if you want to have a special part in what, that is, uh, what that's going to look like, I think the theme is going to be s'mores. It's something like, we need some more nurses like you or something like that. Uh, but if you want to have a part of that and make it special, connect with Kimberly Uh, Peters, and she can help you make that amazing. I heard from uh, some people at Los Robles Hospital this this last week that they're pretty inundated, and it's a difficult time right now, understaffed and stressed and stretched and et cetera. So whatever we can do to say we love you, we care about you, we're on your team, we're cheering for you, we're praying for you, that's important stuff. So right on? Okay. Uh, let me say this also, you who are out online, if you didn't get a chance to, you know, you're not here obviously, so you can't sign up on a clipboard to be part of one of those groups that starts in the next couple weeks, just let us know. So you can put it in the comments, uh, I want to be part of a group, or uh, reach out to groups at conejochurch.com, and we would love to help you get connected to one of those groups. So it's, it's important, especially, this is, somebody asked me this last week, uh, what do I see happening in our church this year? What has God put on my mind, on my heart? One of the important things is this, that if we look at the last two years, we weren't really ready for it as Christians in America. This has been a difficult, crazy, wild ride. So one of the things that's on my heart, on my mind for us as people is that we're tougher, that we're connected to the Lord, that we're connected to each other so we don't get knocked down. And so, so part of the whole idea with community groups is you get tight with some other people around you that can hold you up when things are hard, that can pray for you, that you can get to know them. And if there's an earthquake or a gas crisis or another crazy pandemic, you can go to somebody's house and hang out with them. Like, what happens if Sundays go away? I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in our culture. We don't know what's going to happen in our world. But how cool to become a tougher church a more resilient church. So that's a lot of what this year is about. Amen. Okay, there was a couple amens. Thanks for that, Len. Uh, so today we're going to jump into a series on Nehemiah. And uh, I don't know if you knew this, uh, but I like to give you a little demographics. 
uh, or a little description of different biblical authors. So Nehemiah is actually the shortest biblical author. I don't know if you knew that, but Nehemiah, he's also called... No? Okay, I shouldn't have tried that. Anyway, but, but the reason why we're jumping into Nehemiah is, is when you go into a new year, you think about, what should I do this year? What should I not do this year? It's a good time to reflect on where you come from and to plan where you're going. And so I want to I make a, uh, a statement that I think is true. We all want to build something in 2022. So the question is, is it going to be something that actually matters? Is it going to be something that's eternal? You might say, oh yeah, I want to remodel my kitchen in 2022. And I don't think that's something that's going to matter down the road. Well, I want to have a new job in 2022. Okay, that, that's not bad. It's getting a little bit better. But what if it was something like, I want to be a real disciple of Jesus in 2022. Now we're getting somewhere. I want to have a deeper relationship with the Lord with my spouse, with my friends. I want to have a deeper connection with my church family. I want to go deeper with my neighbors and influence them and encourage. Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking about stuff that we're building that matters. So here's the other thing. In 2022, you will build stuff. Maybe it'll matter, maybe it won't. But you're going to build stuff with somebody. With somebody's. So... Do you have people, have you placed people around you? It doesn't just happen. Have you placed people around you that are building things that matter? Because if you're the only one that's building something that matters, that's eternal, that has to do with people, and, and everyone around you doesn't care about that, that's going to be a lonely journey, and you're going to be pretty unsuccessful. So one of the things that I'm trying to do this year is put the right people around me in my life that I can encourage, and they can encourage me, and we can build stuff that lasts. Right on? Okay. So, uh, so the background for Nehemiah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through a little bit of Bible history. Now, some of you are Bible nerds, you already know this stuff, uh, but many of us are not, and so uh, just hang with this for a minute, but I'd love to give a little bit of context for where we've been the last couple of weeks in the book of Joshua, and now we're jumping to Nehemiah, which is a fast forward, and so, uh, so let's walk through you know, 700 years of history just for a minute. So, um, so if we look at Joshua the last two weeks and, and forward in the book of Joshua, the people of Israel go into the promised land. They conquer Jericho by God's grace and power. It's amazing. They start taking over the promised land and moving in. Uh, and uh, then right after the book of Joshua, we get into the book of Judges. Now, what's interesting is when they went into the promised land, they did not do everything the way that God said. They left certain cities not conquered. They left certain people in the land that should not have been there. They left certain religious practices there that should not have been left. So the book of Judges is, oh my gosh, now what? And so we have different judges that are trying to lead the people towards God, trying to govern the people, even though the land is sort of conquered, sort of not, and it's a mess. So that's the book of Judges in a nutshell. Then we get into Samuel and the first of the prophets. And so Samuel is the one who, you, you guys know Samuel, he's pretty famous, right? He's the one who anointed David king, and, and he's fantastic. But Samuel, the people come to him and say, hey, we want a king like everybody else. And so Samuel takes it personally and just says like, why... 
why are they running away from you and me, God? What's the deal? And God says, they're not running away from you, Samuel. They're running away from me. And so God says, I'm going I'm to give them a king, but the king's going to tax the heck out of them, and it's not going to be what they expect because God wanted to be their king. So then we have Saul, David, Solomon, and then we have a divided kingdom, and we have all kinds of junk that happens in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, and this is all the annals of the kings, right? So this is the, the good stuff they did, the bad stuff they did. So literally, it's a checklist of this one followed the Lord, things went well. This one did not follow the Lord, things went terrible. And so it's just this, you can just check off, he did okay, he did not do okay. He did not, you know, it's, it's interesting as you read those books, what a mess the nation of Israel was in. So then... The people of Israel continue to rebel against God. He eventually keeps his promise and sends them into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And then we have the book of Daniel. You've heard of this. Babylon is conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And so we have a Persian king on the, uh, on the throne. Some groups go from, uh, from Persia to Israel to kind of resettle the land, but the land is in despair. The land is broken. The land is bad. So the people that go there do not find the homeland the way they left it. It has been decimated. So now we're in Nehemiah. So you ready? So the book of Ezra and Nehemiah have often been linked. Ezra and Nehemiah, some people say that Ezra wrote down the whole thing, and it should be one book, and he took Nehemiah's stuff and all of Nehemiah's narrative and made it part of his thing. So they really do kind of fit together. So Ezra took two groups of settlers back, and then Nehemiah took the third. And then we also have Esther, which is right in this part, right in the book of, Nehemiah, of, of Ezra, right between chapter 6 and 7 is probably where Esther lived. And Esther's husband is probably the father of the king that Nehemiah served. So these things all fit together. And then the prophet Malachi wrote at the same time as Nehemiah. So, okay. Is that enough detail for you? You want me to go deeper? No, that's all right. Okay. So Nehemiah was not a priest like Ezra. He wasn't a prophet like Malachi. He was just a dude. So so that's encouragement for some of us. Like, there was nothing that particularly special about this guy. He wasn't set apart by God to be anointed, to be a, you know, whatever. He was a guy who was godly and humble and prayerful and said, I want to make a difference with my life. So that's something that's really unique about this guy. And his faith, his courage, his humility, his prayer, we need to learn from this guy. So we're going to spend about eight weeks studying Nehemiah, going through these chapters about the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem. And what does it say to us about what we are building or not building? In our lives, what has been torn down and needs to be rebuilt in our lives, that's, that's where we're going. So if you have a Bible, go to Nehemiah chapter 1. It's a good place to start. If you don't have a Bible, you should get one. International bestseller of all time. No kidding, it's actually true. Nehemiah 1.1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Incidentally, that's in modern-day Iran. Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. So Israel was divided into Judah and Israel at this point. 
And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Verse 3, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Look at this. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Have you ever had a moment like that where you just were stopped in your tracks? Uh, I think that we as Americans, I don't know if we grieve to the level that Middle Easterners do. I don't know if we allow ourselves to feel what's really happening. But he literally got knocked off (laughs) that day, knocked off his horse and onto his knees and wouldn't eat and cried and prayed for days on end about what what was happening to his people because he identified with it. He didn't say, well, that's over there. That's their problem. Their problem was his problem because he was there. They were his people. Uh, I, I remember... Uh, maybe eight years ago, Stacy and I and some others started asking God, what breaks your heart in our community? What is it that grabs your attention? What is it that really hurts the heart of God? And we were pulled towards, over a time of prayer and fasting, literally we spent time fasting and saying, God, what is it? As a group, pulled towards foster care as people, kids especially, youth especially, that have had a hard go, a very difficult um, beginning to what could be a very, very difficult life. And we felt like this is an overlooked thing for churches and for you know, nice families just going about their business at Costco, and what could we do? And so God has given us strategy because we prayed and listened and fasted. And so some of you may need to hear that because maybe you're just like Nehemiah. You're not a prophet. You're not a priest. You're not anything special, but God is special. And he sees you as special. And he's going to put something in your heart that he wants to birth, that he wants to do to help somebody else. So it's always a good thing to say, Lord, what breaks your heart in your family? What breaks your heart uh, in, in our community? What, what breaks your heart, God, in our world? And rather than say that's somebody else's deal, say, Lord, what do you want me to do about that? I know people that have a broken heart for South Sudan, and they live here. They just pray every morning for God to have his way in South Sudan. So I don't know what you do with it, but just begin, begin praying, begin asking. So what broke Nehemiah's heart specifically? The wall he talks about, the gates. Who cares about a wall? Is it it really about the wall? What it is, is the wall represents something much, much bigger. The city of Jerusalem represents the nation. The walls of the city represent the protection around the temple and the place to sleep at night where the bad guys aren't going to come kill you, yes, but much more than that, it's their identity. It's their ability to plan for the future. If they can't plant crops because the raiders are going to come take it all away, how can you plan? If they can't dig a well because somebody's going to fill it up, how do you plan? If they build a house and they know somebody's going to burn it down that week, 
What, what do you do? And so he sees the people in, in great distress because their identity was broken and burned. Not just their city. The city's a picture of the people. And, and so they had nothing, nothing left. And this is the cho- God's chosen people in the promised land. This is like, this is supposed to be their heyday, and it's all burned. So just picture, if you grew up, most of us did not grow up generations and generations and generations in a place. But what if you grew up for 10 generations in a certain place? And then somebody comes and burns your home and everyone else's home, and the infrastructure and society is gone. No stores, no gas stations, no police, no fire department, no military, gone, wiped out. You have no infrastructure, you have no protection, and you're surrounded on all sides by enemies that want you wiped out. That's, that's their situation. So some of these people are coming back into the land and they're like, ooh, not what I signed up for. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do. Like, I can pitch a tent and wait around and hope something good happens. You would feel pretty vulnerable. So let's check out verse 5. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. The prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. So Nehemiah, before he makes any plans, before he says, I'm going to swoop in there and save the people, before he says, oh, I know what I'm going to do, he prays. And he keeps praying. And he seeks God. And he says, God, hear me, please. And look at this. He says, I confess, I confess our sins. He confesses the sins for him, for his family, for his nation. So he doesn't say, those people are bad, you're right, God. He says, we're, we're all have a piece of this. So he, he owns it. And then verse 7, he says, we've acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands. And verse 8, remember the instruction. I think this is great because Nehemiah starts quoting some, some other verses from the Bible. He knows, the God, he knows God's word. He knows God's promises. He says, remember the instruction you gave Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are to the farthest horizon, and they were, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. So I'll bring them back to me, is what he's saying. They are your servants and your people who you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. So Nehemiah is reminding God of his promise, yeah, but he's also owning it. He's saying, I'm going to pray your promise. I'm going to pray the impossible that you could actually do something that doesn't seem possible. So notice a couple things so far from these verses. And incidentally, we're going to knock out the whole first chapter. So you're going to have all of Nehemiah 1 in your heart, in your soul before you leave here. And so we're almost there. I mean, we're almost done with the whole thing. So he notice a few things. He went to prayer before he made a plan. 2022, some of you have a New Year's resolution. Some of you know, oh, I never make those anymore, right? But before you make a plan for 2022, 
How about if you pray first and say, Lord, what would you like my plan to be for 2022? Uh, That's one of the reasons why we do a rock word at Caneo Church. We ask God, what's a word that represents what you want to do in me, what you want to do through me this year? And we write it on a rock so we can't really lose this thing. And so if you haven't done a rock word yet, there are rocks in the, um, in the lobby. And if you're out watching online, just grab a rock in the yard or go to Carlson's and get a pretty one. And then write in a Sharpie a word that represents what he wants to do in your life this year that you found through prayer. Not because you had a great idea. Don't just write peace or prosperity on a rock. Say, God, what do you want to do? And then if you get a word like reconciliation or repentance, you'll know it's from him because you don't like it, right? It's interesting how some of those words come and we're like, oh my gosh, really? But he wants to show what, he, he, he will show you what he wants to do in your life this year if you pray and lean in and say, I am ready, I'm listening. The second thing is he knew God's word, he knew God's promises. So some of us don't. Some of us are, some of the reason why we got tipped over this last two years because we're not resting in knowing, praying God's promises and saying, God, you promised that we will have hard times. You also promised that you'll be with us through it. And you promised that we will be used through the... We're not holding on to those things. And the third thing is this. He believed the impossible. So the nation was history. Nehemiah said, mm, I don't think so, because God promised this. Nobody else was coming to it. There was no small group saying, you know, let's go restart the nation of Israel. There's one guy saying, something's got to happen. Something's got to be done. I heard a song this last week um, that said, since when has impossible ever stopped you? And it's a worship song. It's beautiful. But I was thinking about this. God always has the final word. So we might think, uh, things are too far gone. That person's too far gone, that relationship's too far gone, that situation is over, that is burned, the walls are broken down, that's over. But we have to stop before we make all those assumptions and say, wait, doesn't God have the final word? And wouldn't I want to say, God, is it over? How do you see this? Think about Resurrection Sunday. Quite a shock. Things looked like they were very over. Satan had won, death had won, it's over. And then what happens? Jesus walks out of a tomb? Uh, Think about, um, we talked about this last week, think about Jericho. Um, This looked like trouble. Think about crossing the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan. These are impossibilities. Think about how many times in the New Testament the apostles ended up in jail, ready to be killed. And then suddenly they're free? Like, the Holy Spirit just works out details and gets them right out, unlocks the doors. Think about this one. Think about Pentecost. Like, how many times has God just said, oh, the impossible? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Impossible is where he likes to begin. He loves to, to come into the impossible in your life and flip it. He loves to flip the story. And, and, and make it completely different of how the enemy had it planned. Here's another interesting one. The nation of Israel now. Who saw that coming 100 years ago? The nation of Israel is reestablished and is strong in spite of all the enemies on all sides. They're doing just fine right now. That is unheard of and impossible 
And yet, look. I mean, it, it's amazing. Okay. So here's the last one I want to mention. Think about your life. I mean, looking at you, some of you are not what you could have been. In, and I mean that in a nice way. The enemy had plans for you to knock you out, to ruin your days, to ruin the trajectory of your life and mine. And God flipped the script and said, no, I'm going to do the impossible in you and watch this. And then after I do the impossible in you, I'm going to allow your life to, to um, impact others in impossible ways. That's what he loves to do. That's the God we serve. Okay, so let's look at Nehemiah 1, verse 11. So he keeps on praying. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant. Notice his humility. We've screwed up. I'm a servant. Please listen. Sometimes we try to boss God around. That's not how prayer works. We say please. We say thank you. We show respect. And then he said, to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. I, lo I love the, he, he shows love for God. I want to revere your name. That's why I'm praying. I want our nation to revere your name. That's why I'm praying. And then he says in faith, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I, I think it's, he said it kind of, in a, I think it's a funny way he, he said this man. Who's the man? the ruler of the world, right? The ruler of the physical world. Just a man who puts on his robe like anybody else, right? But this is uh, Artaxerxes who rules Persia and the Persian Empire was all of Europe, all of North Africa, all of the Middle East. Wow. And so he says, he's just a guy, but give me favor in the eyes of this guy. And then he says, I was cupbearer to the king. I think it's really fun that he ends this whole section with this teaser, right? You know how TV shows have like this little hint at the end, this thing that brings you back for the next episode? So that's what the end of chapter one is. I was cupbearer to the king, dot, 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 right? So that we want to go, what, is that? What, what happens next? So you have to wait till next week. Don't read ahead. I'm going to tell you what happens next week. So, but next week we find out what Nehemiah did and how God used him to do what was totally impossible. But for today, what do you think God has for you out of the chapter? We just finished a whole chapter of the Bible. Congratulations. You, some of you haven't done that you know, in a while, but you just knocked out a whole chapter. So what does God have for you from these verses? Here, here's one thing that it may be. A city with no walls. That's a picture of a life with no protection. So those people were scared, and they should be. Some of you, your lives are scary, and they should be, because you have not allowed protection to be around. You have not allowed walls to protect the enemy from coming into your thoughts and into your decisions and into your emotions all the time. Um, I've talked with a few of you um, not sitting in the room, but a few of you the last, the last year that have been so stressed out, the anxiety is completely pegged, and, and I think some of it is because you have not put protections around your life to keep some of the anxiety from getting in, 
And the enemy just has free reign. He's like, hey, the walls are down. I'm going to have fun in this guy. And, and you allow the, the enemy to mess with you like crazy. So, so what do I mean? Uh, are you wandering around in your life unsafe? Have you stepped over the, the walls, the barriers that should be protecting you from his voice? And are you in danger every day? So, Scripture creates a boundary wall. That's one reason why I like the truth project that the Thermans are doing. Scripture creates boundaries and filters that allow us to look at stuff and go, that's not true. That, doesn't allow, that, that shouldn't come in. Uh, Philippians talks about how um, God's Word guards our hearts and our minds so that the stuff can't come in and stress us out. It gives us peace instead. And, and, but Scripture only creates a boundary wall around your life if you're in it. It doesn't just magically happen. If, if God's Word exists, that's great. But if I'm not accessing it, it's like a bank account that has a million dollars in it and I never go to the ATM. Why would I not do that? But, but we often do that. We, we ignore it. We're, I'm fine. I'm good. The Lord's like, you're not fine. And, and the enemy wants us to think that we're fine so he can just keep jumping the wall and knocking us down and stressing us out and filling our minds with garbage rather than the purity of God's word, right? The, so we know the good and pleasing will of God. So, so the question is, is God's word in you and are you in God's word? It's like a relationship that we have with God's word. So there's a family in our church, I love this, this year, as a family, they're going through the whole Bible together. That is a bold move. That is a beautiful move. And they will never regret it. Now, at, when I heard that, I, I regretted not doing that. When our kids were a little younger, I'm like, shoot! But maybe it's not too late. We'll talk about that, Stace. But how cool to build boundary walls around your family and to encourage your kids in that kind of a life that we want God's Word to build us up to make us strong. Now, these days, a lot of people binge certain shows. So I don't know what you're watching lately, and, and I think COVID has kind of cranked that up to a new notch where we need to escape or, we, or we're filling time or whatever. Uh, but what show are you watching lately, and is it actually helping? And, and here's a scary one. Would Jesus appreciate the show? Well, you know, no, I don't think so. Well, would he watch it with you? No, I don't think so. He is, right? I mean, that's, if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, it's like he's watching Netflix with me. I'm not saying that as a guilt trip or to weird you out, but we need to kind of be honest with what's going on in our lives. And what am I filling myself with? Well, yeah, but I can handle it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not uptight. Yeah, but are you breaking down the walls and are you allowing all kinds of junk to get in that affects you? Probably. What if we binged on God's Word instead of that? What if we spent more time on God's Word and in prayer than we do on entertainment? What would have happened in our lives the last two years if we, as the body of Christ in America, spent more time on God's Word than on the news? We would be healthy. We would be tough. We would be resilient. We'd be loving. We'd be peaceful and a lot of us aren't, right? I'm just saying. So what do you need to feed your mind in 2022 to be strong, to have strong defenses? Um, and, and i got to tell you, it will not magically happen. 
It takes intentionality. It takes, no, I'm actually going to do this. Because it's hard. How many of you accidentally go to the gym? Right? Like, oh, how did I get here? Right? And, and you don't accidentally eat healthy food. It takes, right? That's not how human existence works. So we have to commit to have a life protected by God through his word. And how does that work? So for me, how that works is in the morning, I'm not a morning person, by the way. In the morning, I spend time with God. I read his word and I, I spend time with him. And how I started that was I would literally pull a chair out and that would keep me awake because I was like, he's sitting in this chair. So, and I would sit in my chair and he, I have a chair for God. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to spend some time in your word. And I was scared and falling asleep on him, right? And, I, and it was great, though. It was like active prayer. I was like active listening. I really want to spend time with you. And over time, that became a really cool discipline in my life. Now, some of you have been doing the Bible app devotionals. Raise your hand if you've been doing that. That's a great way to get into scripture reading and study. I think that's like a 101, 201. That's not a 401. That's not advanced, but that's a good way to get started. Uh, in fact, I invited 94 of you to join one this week on Nehemiah. So um, please join me or reach out to, just text, I mean, send a, send a message if you're on, online and I'll, I'll invite you if you want to be part of that. And the other thing that's interesting, I, I think, is if you're part of a group of people that are following Jesus, like in a community group, you're going to be talking about how are you growing, how are you learning, what's going on. If you're not part of that, you probably don't have people in your life going, what are you learning about the Lord lately? So community matters because it makes you stronger. Community matters because it helps you grow. It helps you be who you're supposed to be. Now, community is harder. It doesn't just happen, right? You don't accidentally find yourself in a community group. But you find yourself in a community group when you say, that's important and I want to do it because I want to be strong and I want to be used by the Lord. That's how it works. Okay. Now, here's, here's the second thing um, that we can get from, from this chapter that some of you need to hear right now. Something is broken in your life right now. And when I was talking about the walls being broken and the gates being burned, you're like, oh, yeah. And maybe you just took a little deep breath right there, and you're like, yeah, that kind of hits close to home. And you might feel like that thing in my life that's broken feels pretty hopeless. Like, I don't, I don't know how that thing could be repaired. I don't know what God's plan is. I don't know why I'm in the middle of this season of burned and broken, but wow. And maybe if that's you, let's go back to this verse. Look at verse 9. If you return to me and obey my commands, then, right, then things get restored. So what does that look like for you? Return. Um, I think some of us, we, we got smart and we got it together and I know better and I got this handled and we need to say, wait a minute, in humility, I need to return to what God wants my life to be about. In humility, i got to go back to the basics. i got to get back to prayer. i got to get back to studying his word. i got to get with his people because this is not working. Maybe you have just been doing things your way. You've been following you. And God's like, 
come back to me. Return to me. Turn, right? You know what's another word for return? Repent. And repent just doesn't just mean to get right. It means a change of mind. It means I was headed this way, and then, oh, there you are, Lord. I'm going to be with you. That's what repenting and returning is all about. And then obedience comes alongside with this. So it's, it's not just about like, ooh, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Oops. It's, I'm sorry and I mean it, and I'm turning to be with you, and I'm going to do it your way. Because my way is not, my way led to burned gates and broken down walls and the enemy jumping over and having his way. I'm tired. I don't want that to be part of 2022. I want 22 to be strong walls and nice gates, and the stuff that comes in is the stuff I want to come in and the stuff that honors God. And I want the other stuff to stay outside. And you know what's interesting? God will honor that prayer. So if you're a parent and your son or daughter comes to you and says, you know, I want to be better this year. I want to grow. I want to be strong. I want to be resilient. I want to have a life that is, is together enough that I could actually help other people. You're going to be psyched. You're going to be excited for your kid showing that much initiative and, and openness and faith. That's how he is with us. And he will take you where he wants you to go. It's going to be different for each of us. But it starts with a willingness of saying, Lord, take me into this year, and I want to be all in for you. Right so that simple formula, return and obey, it's, it's interesting. He is quoting Deuteronomy 30. So Nehemiah is remembering this promise in the book of Deuteronomy that God is saying, if you guys just look at me, just pay attention to me, just honor me, I will bring you together from the far reaches. As you're scattered, I will bring you back. Um, but, it's not these verses yet, but if you don't, then you're going to be scattered. And then look at these verses in 3015. And this is what, what I shared with you last week from the book of Joshua. It's interesting that God brought us back to this theme again, Deuteronomy 30. But this is, this is where Moses said, today I said it before you, life and death. What are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to be alive in me? Are you, are you going to choose to be alive in the Lord this year? Or are you going to do things your way? And I love this. It says, I command you today to love the Lord your God. Walk in obedience to him. Some of us, man, we don't like that whole obedience thing. Right? Some of us are still like a two-year-old in our faith, and we're like, whatever you say, I'm not doing it. we got to get over that. We have to have some maturity and say, Lord, you, you have commanded things, you have desired things for me that are for my good. He knows what's good for us much more than we do. And then he says, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws, then you will live and increase, and the Lord will bless you. But 17, if your heart turns away and you're not obedient, you'll surely be destroyed. That's not his desire for any of our lives, that they would be burned up, that, that they would be wasted. Right on? I want to bring the band up as I, as I wrap this up. So think about those two words, return and obey. Where is it in your, in your walk with Christ that you need to return? Where is it that you have been uh, doing it your way, thinking that your way is better, easier? You know, where have you been following self rather than Him? 
And where do you need to return to him and say, Lord, bring me back to basics? I want to, in humility, I want to get on my knees and, and just follow you. And, and not follow myself, not follow my 18 plans for this year, but say, Lord, what, who do you want me to be? How do you want me to serve you this year? How do you want to make me strong so my life can affect others? And just picture your loving Father waiting. Because sometimes we spend time looking away from Him, and He's waiting. And then every so often we look over our shoulder and we're like, oh, He's He's waiting. He loves you no matter, you, you can't outrun God. That's what this book's all about. You can't run so far from him that he won't welcome you back. He has open arms and he is waiting. So some of you out, out online, you need to hear this right now. You feel like that thing I did, man, that makes it impossible for me to be with God. And God's like, I love impossible. Bring it. He, he does the impossible every single minute on this planet. And he will do the impossible in your life if you to say, yes, please. Here, here I am, I'm a mess, and I bring it to you. And he goes, bring me that mess, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it right. I'm going to work in you, and I'm going to perfect you, and I'm going to purify you, and I'm going to make uh, those ashes into beauty. And we're going to find out through the book of Nehemiah how many times he takes what's impossible, and he makes it beautiful. He makes things that are ruined, and he makes, makes them right. So maybe you've, maybe you've been in doubt, maybe you've been in just habitual sin, this thing that just keeps dragging you down. Uh, maybe you've been isolated and you've just been like, I don't need anybody, it's just, I'm, I'm fine. But just the anger and the isolation has taken over. It's time to turn away from that and return to him. So I just want to pray, and pray with me if you want to. Lord, some of us need to return to you right now and just... Start 2022 right. Start 2022 with you in your word, in your promises, in your, in your hope. And Lord, we turn away from doing things our way and our doubt and our sin and our junk. And Lord, I ask that you would meet us in that place. Meet each of us. And Lord, help us to see ourselves as your loved, beloved sons and daughters. That we're beautiful in your sight. And, and, Lord, that you have great promise for the rest of our lives. Restore, Lord, what's been burned and broken, and help us to have faith in what you want to do next. Amen. Amen. And the second thing is obey. Maybe there's some area in your life where you're like, yeah, I've not been really obeying the Lord. And that probably, for a bunch of us, is with discipline. Yeah, I haven't really been in fellowship with other people. Yeah, I really haven't been in God's Word. Yeah, and the Lord says, just obey. Just admit it and just start. The journey of a thousand miles begins with what? Today. Just say, Lord, I want to do this today and tomorrow. Right? That's how it begins. So, Lord, we lift up our disobedience to you and, Lord, we broke your heart. We broke our own hearts. Some of us, Lord, our lives have, have, uh, have been burned. And, and we ask, Lord, that you would uh, receive our prayer. And, and, Lord, through Jesus, you would restore us. We want to obey you. And so give us the ability by your Spirit. May the Spirit break through in our lives in new strength, in new power, where we're able to follow you and not give in to those habits 
those issues, those doubts, that isolation from the past. And Lord, we want to obey you in 2022. And right now we say, yes, please, Lord. We accept your word. We accept your promises. We accept your direction for our lives. Make us obedient children that are used our whole lives for your glory. And Lord, may we not waste any more days serving ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing uh, this last song, and you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. This is your time with the Lord. Uh, but I just ask you guys who are here and outside and online, just enjoy the Lord and make this your prayer to Him.